new footage of the moment the Charlie Hebdo terrorists staged a gun battle with police. We have avenged the Prophet Mohammed. Candle, southern Germany, has placed the country's open-door immigration policy under intense scrutiny. These marches demanded protection and security for women and children. What would solve the whole thing in the border if they would just start shooting? Only shoot a couple and they would go home. This is some footage just going through the streets and some markets. And these markets that you'll notice that we went through, not only are they covered in trash, but among the markets, there are thief markets. So essentially, these people stole goods and items and are reselling them on the street. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. And uh, for those who are confused about that little montage, all will make sense in the next uh, in the next hour, as we are joined by probably one of the <coughs> smartest guys I know, Rob Digan, aka Marabani, all the way across the pond <laughs> in the Netherlands. How are you, my friend? Um, yeah, no, I'm. I'm pretty decent um a little bit of lack of sleep but other than that i'm i'm okay uh well um, um yeah well i mean you know when you look at some of those clips it's uh having a lack of sleep is better than being dead i guess but i mean what what do you do with the information that um that you see there's you know it's there, there are a lot of different ways you can go with this mm. um i think one has to look at Look, if if you're going to look at immigration, if you're going to look at Christianity versus Islam, there's a lot of different contexts you got to look at. So mm. let's look at the, the South Africa. We've never really had beef between Christian and Muslim in mm. our hundreds of years of our history. So um, this is this is a well, okay. I'm I'm I think I'm I think I'm being a little bit too um, anodyne there. There's um, a significant suppression of Islam before before the 19th century um, in the Cape when the Dutch East India Company was running shit. But um, for the most part, the, the communities have been, you know, for the past couple hundred years, have been fairly harmonious. Um, yeah. But I going mean, back generations. Uh, but but Europe, obviously, I mean, it's mm. it's a different story. Um, I think there are a lot of different reasons for that. Um, so let's say, for example, a lot of people pick on a lot of people both here and in the United Kingdom pick on Nigeria as being a problem country from which immigrants come. But Nigeria is a big and complex country with many different class and ethnic divisions and who you get in your country from a particular country is dependent on what your the perceptions of your country in their country are. Mm. So, Nigerians who go to the United Kingdom tend to be parasitic layabouts and the Nigerians who go to the United States tend to be intelligent go-getters and they're one of the most um, law-abiding, educated and um, successful po immigrant populations in the United States. And so one has, to, one has to be careful about how you draw uh, conclusions about any particular Group, a country or group of people based on what the what their immigrants, what their exports are. 
So um, I think with Islam, this is a particular salient thing because most people who go and visit the Middle East to like, you know, Egypt or whatever will tell you, well, everyone's friendly, everyone's treating me fine, I haven't had any problem with that. And then you'll meet lower class, um, um, you know, young men who came to Europe because they heard that, you know, it's the land of milk and honey from which the um, infidel dispenses uh, free cash and houses on demand. Um, and you get a very, very different uh, sort of person. Um, and then, of course, you've got the other problem, which is people who are, uh, who are middle class or upper class here in Europe only meet middle class and upper class immigrants. And so they think, oh, well, these people are sort of like accustomed to the global Western culture. Um, they're very nice. I don't have any problems with them. And then they wonder why there's such clashes at the, at the working class level um, of society. And... The, the answer is quite simple. There's, there are differences and distinctions within groups that mm-hmm. are often a lot bigger than the distinctions between groups. So Peter Hitchens was on uh, my show last week, um, and um, much of my discussion here with you is sort of premised on uh, the claim that he made that uh, Christianity in the West is dead uh, or is dying or is declining. And... I think I think we must also we must also include the fact that when we speak about or at least when people like Peter Hitchens speak about Christianity in the West, I think they're also referring to the West. I think it's almost synonymous, wouldn't you agree? Mm. Yeah, um not really. There's a thing that the the West is really the inheritor of Western Christianity. And uh, Christianity is divided into many domains um, based on different schisms that occurred. And the biggest division is between Eastern and Western Christianity. And Eastern Christianity in all of its different forms has much more uh, similarity between different groups and branches, um, whereas uh, it differs from Western Christianity in several key aspects of its uh, theology and its approach to things. Um, and the uh, what you'll notice is that the countries where Eastern Christianity has persisted have tended to have have held on to their Christianity a lot more. Um, the, the the one of the interesting features, if you look at the West, is that the 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 denominations which have declined the fastest have been the pro- Protestant denominations, and the Catholic and amongst the Catholic Church, the congregations that held on have hold held on at least in North America, as far as I know, mm. most strongly to their congregations have been the most conservative ones, the ones where you still wear a veil in um, in church, the ones where they still do the Tridentine Mass and um it's the you know in latin and with all of the all of the extra procedures and rituals the thing is that when you have protestant christianity when you have uh, anyone can interpret the bible without reference to the the experiences or opinions of those who've studied longer and, and the long run of of christian history the the room for interpretation gets inordinately large and people who are entitled, who feel entitled to have, take a skeptic position on matters, tend to be skeptical in a selective manner mm. about those things that they um, don't wish to believe. Um, and so it becomes a, it gradually has become over the past 500 years a practice of rejecting 
whatever's unfashionable or under or, or inconvenient for uh for you which is completely against the spirit of any sort of religious virtue not just christianity um and now we see we've gotten to the point where a lot of anglican vicars now the anglican church is one without any real theological foundation merely merely for political reasons uh, was it uh, split asunder um, and as a result, it hasn't really got a cohesive uh, set of beliefs and always has always been sort of a very broad church, which includes people who are much similar to Catholic leanings. It's included people called nonconformists uh, who've been um, very Puritan, or it includes a lot of extremely liberal people. Like nowadays, you, you, I, I'm a, if you're into Christianity at all, if you're uh, following it, whether as an atheist or as a believer, you'll have noticed... Um, that there, there are a lot of these clips of uh, like Anglican pastors in particular um, demonstrating like, uh, how uh, how open they are to um, LGBT and how how you know we don't judge any of that and it's not really a sin and God's not really judging you for anything that you do wrong and you know foisting wokeness and critical race theory on their congregations. Um, and these are very limited congregations; are quite small. But I think the thing is that it's Christianity is being replaced by um, a materialist religion from mm. within. Sorry, and just infiltration just because, has been. Sorry, I just want to stop you just right there because you were talk, you were talking about mm. um, incorporating LGBTQ, and I just read this week that the Pope has um, has promoted um, gay marriage, for example. Sorry. Carry yeah, on. yeah. Well, he's he's a heretic. Um, I think by any standard of, uh, I think by anyone's standard, the man is a complete heretic. Um, the, 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 I mean, there was a, there was a scandal a while like last year where, uh, he invited a whole bunch of Native Americans to worship their uh, pagan god Pachamama, and put the idols of that goddess into the church. And there was a big, uh, there was a big thing about this because um, members of the clergy, uh, you know, uh, young priests in training, got very incensed, and they marched into the church, grabbed the idols, and chucked them into the Tiber River. Um, for, with good reason. Um, if you believe in Christianity, then worshiping pagan idols is it's, well, it's demon worship. Um, and so uh, the 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 interesting thing is that. The Catholic Church and Pope Francis, because he belongs to the Jesuits, the Jesuits in particular have been very friendly towards something called the United Religions Initiative, um, which was started by circles related to related to the formation of the United Nations. And they have an they have an office of the United Nations that does uh, that works towards the United Religions Initiative. And the idea is that you raise all of the barriers and distinctions um, between the religions in order to form one central cohesive global doctrine of spirit um so not only that but of course he was uh he was a marxist and he has introduced critical theory into the seminary curricula um which i mean to to to, to introduce an anti-christian doctrine into a christian uh as, as something that's part of christian uh, curriculum it's uh there's no way that you could i don't think that the personally in my belief i don't think that the pope is christian i don't think he is um and a lot of people like him for that because the things that he holds 
first before Christ, before any sort of biblical doctrine or dogma which he's supposed to propagate he leans into progressive and liberal um uh political uh, uh what should I call it um oh there's my brain i need to have more sleep um but uh yeah no he's uh <laughs> No, he's let me, he's, let me help very, you he's very much for the yeah. You know, let me yeah, help go, you go, go. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> hang on, let me let me have some coffee for you. Have you got your coffee? I just had a big mug of extremely potent coffee, but it seems I've developed an immunity to this stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Pope, I agree with you. I don't think he's a Christian. Um, I think he's just a symbol. Uh, more than anything else, uh, and I don't think um, I don't think it's right. I don't think it's morally right that he's not a Christian. I think I think he should be a Christian, um, but I'm not going to make a personal call on his you know on his beliefs. I don't know what they are. Excuse me, but I do agree with you. I don't think he is a Christian. Having said that, Rob, um, mm. you were talking about being a believer versus being. Um, a, a non-believer, Douglas Murray oh, yeah. um, has a has a mm. wonderful um, term. He uses cultural Christian um, in his book, The Strange Death of Europe. And a cultural Christian yes. is somebody who who isn't necessarily a believer, but is born into Christendom, um, might be an apologetic and uh, defend it even. Um, and I think and I think there seems to be a trend, at least in the West, of people. Um, falling into that particular category. I mean, Jordan Peterson, for example, I don't think is a Christian, but he's certainly a cultural Christian. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one. Uh, but I think Peter Hitchens, your old guest, he, he said one of the more interesting things about faith that that, that I've uh, I've come across is he said, um, he was talking about, look, there's all the reasons in the world to become there's all the reasons in the world to become a Christian, um, and but at the end of the day, you you can re, you can re, reason your way towards this position as much as you want, but there's no. It only sort of gets you as far as convincing you that it might be a good idea to believe, but convincing you that it is true that requires, well, that stuff requires a leap of faith because the nature of God and the mm. supernatural is inherently beyond the grasp of tools that are designed for explaining physical phenomenon. So the, he says, well, you just have to have a leap of faith. And I think with Jordan Peterson, you've got an interesting thing here. He gives you a million and one reasons why the Bible is a good source of moral guidance. And you can find a million and one people who can point out how the Bible is consonant with uh, modern science in many uh, places, um, and how many scientists of the past were Christians very devoutly so. Isaac Newton famously um, remained, a, uh, remained a virgin to his deathbed and claimed it as his greatest achievement. Shame. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, um, I, very interesting. I, I'm, not sure, I, I, I'm not sure I believe him because I think pretty much everyone... Um, I don't think I think most people who remain virgins, unless they've decided to go into an institution that that protects their chastity, like a monastery, tend to be uh, tend to be that way largely because their their sort of desires have been frustrated rather than out of willpower. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I, I um, yeah, Newton was a famously crotchety individual, very difficult to get on with. But uh, what was I saying? Uh, well, you know, um, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Oh, yes, yes, sorry, sorry. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Well, I don't know what his father was like. Certainly his father wasn't a virgin. So, um, <laughs> so in this case, I guess the apple fell far enough from the tree to hit his son on the head. But the... <laughs> the... <laughs> But uh, the thing with Jordan Peterson is, is you listen to him and he keeps trying to find a way of having this symbolically structured um, way of believing as if Christianity is real without fully committing to the faith of it. And I have to admit, from personal perspective, that's an enormous struggle. And there's a reason that a lot of Christians struggle with doubt. Um, it's for a start, I think it's easier to believe in God than it is to believe in the resurrection. The resurrection is is the is this most extraordinary radical um, claim on the nature of reality. Um, mm. it, it really is to, to to really believe that Jesus well, Christ, you know, lives and was uh, was killed and rose again. And I think I can actually add to the, what you're saying. Sorry, but I mean to imagine an ocean doing this is also. <laughs> It's also a, no, it's a really, bit of a mind, a mind game. Yeah, miracles are very difficult to believe, but what you'll find <laughs> is that most modern people believe in the supernatural. They just refuse to believe in Christian supernatural, uh, supernatural, supernaturalness, um, supernaturality. I don't know. Ooh, that's a cool um, word. Supernaturality. What a nice word. I don't, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't think it's a real word. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's a cock up actually. Um, but the. The the thing is, plenty of people believe in crystal healing and mm. alternate dimensions and Veganism. ghosts and yeah, and paganism is on the rise everywhere in the West. Uh, it's the fastest growing uh, section yeah. of religions. Um, it depends how you measure it, of course. Some people categorize it under uh, include spirit the people who call them spiritual but not religious. Mm. In my mind, those are sort of okay. This is going to get way too esoteric if I go down this path, but I sort of class them as, as uh, illuminists but that's mm. a different that's the, the that's my own private project that i'm carefully chipping away at um so the the problem with christianity is as i said look the, it's the protestants have been declining in in membership and belief the most right and that's so because anything that really goes you're yeah. saying it's that's the watered down christians that that seem to be on the decline in the west yeah, because there's there's no there are no consequences uh, to saying, well, I don't believe that. You know, that's just like an opinion, man. Um, and I think that there are some exceptions to this. I mean, look, the NG Kerk in in South Africa is the people who still believe in reformed Christianity um, tend to be quite staunch. But I mm. think the that there was a big wave of people who left the church as a result from the the shift of the moral center of society because the Enkirkak supported apartheid. Um, not only sort of diplomatically and um, uh, and so on, but also in the sense that they they provided theological justification for it. Um, they're big on 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 you know Abraham Kuyper, uh, the former Dutch mm. Protestant and also theologian who 
talked about the hermetic hypothesis black people are the sons of ham do curse to be the the slaves of the sons of uh shem and japhet mm. and so um yeah no it's 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 all it, they they lost a lot of credibility and and this thing is uh this is a, this is a regular problem with with christianity is that when 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 your when your when institutions lose authority based on something that happened politically that's very sort of earth-shattering for most people they don't go back to these authorities um a lot of the time it's very difficult for people to separate the temporal from the um from the transcendent it's funny um, and the and world war 1 was the was the big one in the West that sort of broke, make, broke that mold for people. It's, it's funny. A few years ago, um, I was in Sydney um, and I went to that Hillsong, that Hillsong church, which is, you know, world famous. Um, it makes, they make albums and they've got a full-time band and everything. And they had about 5,000. Corporate Christianity. Yeah. And they had about 5,000 people there uh, that night. <sighs> and I've got to say, it did not feel Christian at all. It felt like a show. It, it felt like I went to a show um, that, was, yeah. that was slick. It was well presented. Lots of well-meaning people. They had flat screen TVs in the, in the toilet. Everything was, 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 was high quality, high budget. But it seemed like a show. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, look, I, I don't want to be. Uh, mm. I don't want to be too 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 hard on people who try uh, who are trying to do this. Mm. I mean, you've got to remember a lot of a lot of what is put into churches is is about spectacle um, to some degree, and the use of rituals and, and demonstrations and things um, plays plays a role in plays a role in worship, plays a role in concentrating the mind and the spirit on God. Um, I think that the ultimate question is whether or not it it really does foster, um, you know, heartfelt faith. And I think for some people who go to go to Hillsong Church, and I've met I've met a few people in in Cape Town because they have a big one there. It's funny when when I was in my bad old days, um, I um, I after after a couple of days bender when I was like. 21 or 22 i stumbled out of a bar and observatory and uh, got on a bus at five in the evening and i thought it was going home but it was going to hillsong church and so i ended <laughs> um but yeah no very very strange environment but they're all very um a lot a lot of the young people who go to hillsong are very wholesome I... personalities i th- yeah can i can i tell you just uh a very <laughs> a very bad story uh relating to me and church <laughs> this is the first time i've ever spoken about this okay. <laughs> publicly but uh since we're on the topic <laughs> so i used to play in my mm. church band um okay so i was I, I spent many 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 years in a in a protestant church um and i'm i'm but i don't what go to kind church. Of anglican or an assemblies of god uh, oh, okay. One of those so that's very happy, clappy. Um, I don't, I don't mm. go to church anymore. Although I very much would like to, to be honest. Um, I think it's an important part of, uh, of uh, where, where the world is heading right now. And I, I, I want to, I want to go back to some of those sort of traditional values. But going back to my story, <laughs> so I was playing in my church band. I used to play every every Sunday morning. So we'd always pitch up an hour early just to set up all the instruments and. Uh, 
<laughs> and uh, just go through the songs that we're going to play, you see. But the night before, I went partying. <laughs> and and I, I drank way, way, way too much. And I think I got home at like four. <laughs> four or half past four. I slept like one hour. Got up. Went to went to the church to to practice a thing at like six o'clock or whatever the time was, <laughs> and I was completely drunk. <laughs> and, I, and I played I played during that service completely drunk, and I was looking at the at the at the, at the sheets in front of me because I play guitar, <laughs> and I never told anybody. But I I've lived with that I've lived with that on my shoulder <laughs> for years. <laughs> oh, sure, no i mean this is it's a funny thing the, the bible does actually um uh, prevent uh call against drunkenness multiple occasions that was many years you've ago been, uh, you've, you've you've been a naughty boy um i think uh no, i think i think it's uh sorry i threw, I threw it, off the conversation there <laughs> yeah but i mean i think i think the thing is that it's there's gonna be look, a lightning strike now outside my house <laughs> no, it's gonna be fine i think i think one of the things that sort of uh is both a blessing and a curse for mm. christian the christianity's uh sort of popularity is its permissiveness and i think look you, you you introduced this video with the problems of clash of civilizations in europe um aside from my observation that it's it's about the fact that immigration selects a subsection of the population that's not representative of mm. the broader community aside from that um there is a big comment from a lot of muslims ordinary muslims who think that christianity comes without any demands or rules um that it's sort of like do what thou wilt which mm. is what what a lot of people in um christian the christian west have sort of gone towards I think if any of them visited East, the Eastern Christian areas, they'd they'd feel very differently about it because it can be quite demanding. There's you, there are dietary restrictions for most of the year during Lent. You're you're basically a vegan. Um, it sounds like the Coptic Church. Yeah, the Coptic Church is one of the Eastern uh, one of the mm. Eastern divisions. Um, they basically believe the vast majority of what uh, Eastern Orthodox and uh, Oriental Orthodox believe. Um, the the distinctions are almost insignificant, and even amongst themselves, because these churches talk to each other, they acknowledge that mm. these differences are virtually insignificant. But um, because it's about the nature of God, it's not something you can just go, eh, whatever, much of a muchness. You have to you have to work it out, you know, seriously and and with patience. And they. Because they have their mind on eternity, they say, well, we have all, t all the time in the world, let's do it properly. Mm. Mm. Whereas the Western church has become obsessed with the imminent, with the material. And um, they draw on a lot of, and I'm, I'm including Protestants and, and Catholics, ended up drawing on a lot of recognition of, oh, well, people are suffering now, we have to alleviate so the suffering, it's our duty. And there is a bit of that, like you're supposed to be charitable. You're supposed yeah. to help people out who who are hurting in this world. Um, and I mean, look for for people who've been watching this who want to talk about you know faith versus works. I mean, I think I think most people. Uh, I, I think it's quite clear to people who've read even a few pages 
mm. of the Bible that fa- faith and works are not sort of mutually exclusive. It's you're, through God's grace, you're given faith, and the faith empowers you to do good works, and these things are part of the same phenomenon that happens at once, you know. Um, but the way in which it's sort of related is largely in line with um, material philosophies like Marxism and mm. uh, Fabian socialism and things like that, where you say, well, no, well, some people have too much. I mean, to take from them and to give to people who are not well off. And if they're not giving of their own accord, then we must shame them and coerce them. Mm. I think that's wrong because that's actually theft. Um, I mean, look, Caesar, you know, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, but Caesar wasn't democratic, was he? No. Um, no, I mean, in a democracy, what you're doing is you're asking a room of people, so who should we take money off next? That's that's really what a democracy is. And so, so I think, you know, even if we have uh, democratic institutions like elections and so on, the spirit of democracy is, is, is terribly problematic. Um, so... Uh, I, I consider that there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, ability for democracies to empower the immoral element in in human beings. Rob, <clears throat> okay, so I I unfortunately derailed a little bit of our conversation there. My apologies, but if we if we go back, <laughs> if if, okay. if if we horseshoe back to the um, to the premise about whether or not Christianity is uh, dying, uh, particularly in the West, uh, mm. from from what I've got so far in this conversation is that there seems to be a small resurgence of sort of orthodoxy, uh, uh, people going back to the, the, yeah, the, the both pure. Western and Eastern, I would say. So, so the pure, the pure Christianity, and there seems to be a, um, dissolving almost, uh, or dilution of, um, of the more liberalized Christianity. And, uh, and that's certainly, um, uh, heading into the abyss um and and yeah i mean the thing is that this has been going on for some time i mean look mm. we know that uh, the church attendance which keeps people cognizant of christian virtues and keeps people mm. um in contact with members of the community they wouldn't otherwise associate with um you know forces you i mean like the thing about church uh, going to church is aside from um you know, the spiritual element, one of the things that it teaches people um, is to get along with those who you don't choose. You wouldn't want to be close friends with all of the people that are in your church, but you have to learn to treat them with respect and Mm. love if you actually have that within you, which is, I mean, let's be honest, it's a bloody tall order. (laughs) Yeah. Because a lot of people are, you know, not just tiresome, but deeply unpleasant. A lot of it's, uh, you know, not only for uh, not not in objective sense, but often just because you have different ways of dealing with life. You know? Yeah, uh, but I mean, okay, so going. Um, but, but but you're talking about the you're talking about the decline. Now, I mm. uh, the, the the decline in, in church attendance has been a thing since World War One easily. That's um, what Canadians uh, refers huge. to. Yeah. Yes, but that's because a lot of the churches supported the war, and they told people, "Go send your children off. Go join the um, go join the fight." And it was pointless, and millions of people died, and cities were destroyed, and countries were destroyed, and mm. people just lost their faith after that. 
but it was already weakened. You, mm. you can you can read about uh, when you read about uh, Nietzsche saying God is dead. It's not like he was, you know, pulling this out of nothing, um, sucking this out of his thumb. I mean, you have people earlier on, like uh, Emil Kierkegaard, who was saying that um, there are no fanatics anymore. There are no fanatics anymore, and this is this is a funny thing. There are no more Christian fanatics. Mm. I mean, America talks about these tiny little pockets where one or two per people might burn down an abortion clinic. But this is negligible, insignificant, pales in comparison to all the other forms of uh, fanaticism that we see. Yep. Um, white nationalism, communism, Islamism. Yeah. And the thing is, Islam went through its own transformation in the modern world, world through World War One, because the, well, still the British deposed... Yes, just as the transformation of Christianity is still happening. Mm. But in Islam, it was different. Mm. The In World War One, the British deposed the caliph in the Ottoman Empire. And so the organizing um, principle that united the interpretation of the Quran across the um, Sunni world was destroyed. And so they fell into a system of, they, they fell into sort of almost like, a Protestant state overnight, like Protestant conditions were, were imposed upon them. And uh, so there's this desperate attempt to reinstate uh, the, the caliph many, many times. And the most recent one we know of is, of course, ISIS. Mm. Um, but the reason that ISIS is so horribly violent, and it depends which which, uh, which Muslim scholar you, 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 you consult, because a lot of them... Uh, a lot of them refer to uh, an old hadith which um, seems to prophesy the, the coming of something like the, the Islamic State. Um, you know, everything down to them waving black banners. Um, I think that the term they use for it is a khawarij, uh, although I'm not entirely sure. Someone can correct me eventually. Kusuntad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but the um, the main principle is that one of the features that's come to dominate Sunni Islam in many, many quarters is um, uh, so you've got Salafism, which is uh, which is the idea that only the Quran is holy and everything else is just rumor and nonsense. Um, I'm, I'm exaggerating, of course, and if there are any Muslims watching this who are Salafi who uh, uh, think that I've misrepresented them, uh, please feel free to give me a slap in the face. But uh, be gentle. Um, I, I think that the, the other thing that's big is, is the, the principle of Nasr or, um, or, or abrogation. So the principle of abrogation sort of says that those things that were revealed, um, most recently in the, in the Quran, the, the most recent revelations take precedent over the previous, the, the, the more early received, uh, uh revelations. Because they're often um, uh, points, uh, uh, they're, they tracts in the Quran and, and commands that, um, that uh, contradict one another or, or, or don't don't get together. And so while while you've got a lot of people in Shia Islam who, much like scholastic Christianity, try to build this uh, cohesive um, sort of synoptic view of everything and sort mm. of harmonize all the different elements, uh, you get in certain radical forms of Islam the problem of Nasr being used in a very aggressive way to elevate the most violent and prohibitionist uh, version uh, elements of, of of the religion 
which have their own contextual purpose, which, um, and I think, I, I think this is a thing that a lot of the Muslim world wrestles with very deeply is that there certainly are provisions for warlike behavior because after all society has its warlike moments and Islam was born out of conflict. But, um, the the fact of the matter is that like every uh, every religious system it contains broad swathes of things that impact every area of human life and take into account all of human frailties unlike most modern religions uh, modern philosophies so the the which branch of islam has has risen up has been determined a lot by um modern movements with de democratic movements uh revolutionary movements they've been influenced by um European leftism, they've been influenced by all kinds of things. And they've also been influenced by contact with the with the West. Yeah. Because they remain such a conservative society, when their intellectuals started um traveling to the West in the modern period, seeing the the uh, the radical decline in um in piety for, uh, amongst the Western um world, the reaction was quite harsh. And you can see some of the more influ a lot of very influential people um became very, very radical. Like, mm. I mean, the famous example would be Said Qutb from Egypt, who, when he moved to America, he just said, this is, this is like absolute degeneracy. It can't be tolerated. And, you know, he went back to Egypt and got involved in groups that would eventually evolve into the Muslim Brotherhood and the Al-Qaeda and all of these different things. Um, and it's, it's a reaction to the degeneration of the West. But in the West, because our authorities and our um, and our institutions have been the very origin of the decay, we we struggle to react appropriately to the 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 sort of uh, demoralization of society. Um, we really do, and and the thing is, it's it's very difficult, particularly for people who have been taught to be openly hostile to Christianity. Um, and I think that it's much easier to find people who are hostile to Christianity than to find people who are hostile to Islam. any other religious belief. Mm. Although, so never I, mean, mind I, think, Islam. I think there is a shift, even a, albeit small, um, happening. I mean, for example, Gareth Cliff uh, said on a, um, a stream a few weeks ago uh, that uh, he has been a milit militant atheist for many, many years and would, you know, would grab at any opportunity to, to ridicule christians but he says he's had a he's had a change of of heart in the last year or two or three mm. even um in which he sees now that christianity is under so much attack particularly in the west that even if he might not be a believer he feels the need to protect it and defend it because it's integral to western society yeah i mean look bugger western society for a minute around mm. the world christians are under extraordinary persecution i mean in in uh, in Nigeria, they massacre Christians by the thousands, and it doesn't. It barely makes headlines. Yeah, they've been doing. Christians have been massacred across the Middle East for decades, and it doesn't make headlines. Um, no one, no one really cares because the the Western world has been conditioned for hundreds of years amongst its ruling elite to be openly hostile towards Christianity, and so they have no sympathy for Christian victims of political violence. Mm. Um, and 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 you saw this recently with BLM burning stacks of Bibles in the street. Yeah, you know 
You 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 watch someone so much as um say say a nor- say something mildly critical about Islam and they have their heads cut off. Yeah, Literally. Yeah. So this is this happened experiment. like what last week in France? Yes. Yeah. Where are where are the Christian fanatics? I want to know. And did you see the uh the media response? Was they they attacked the teacher saying well the teacher yes, was they attacked warned. the teacher and and the thing is it went across it was it was all the way up to the New York Times they were saying well you know he shouldn't have done that bloody uh, uh, cartoon you know mm. you know wouldn't want, to, wouldn't want to piss off the Muslims and like he didn't he didn't sit there and mock them at all all he did was say well this is what happens this is what was the conversation this is a prominent significant event that we need to talk about from an objective stance he didn't I mean mm. it's not like he sat there saying well you know Muhammad is a this and Muhammad is a that. He said there, okay, well, there was a guy who drew this cartoon. This is what the cartoon looked like, and this is what they did to him. So how is how is that an insult? How is that an insult to Islam? I cannot possibly fathom it. So so Douglas Murray um has spoke about this in his book, uh The Strange Death of Europe, which is a phenomenal read. Um and this kind of now yeah. um horseshoes to the opening video clip with of immigration and he yep. makes the suggestion uh, quite strongly actually that a large degree of the of the decline of christianity has to do with a forced or imposed multiculturalism uh, b immigration um, and any kind of resistance to that gets you labeled all sorts of things um and yeah i mean look we know that we know why this is it's it's very it's it, it's partially because it's um, it suits the left wing, and mm. uh, the left wing know that they can rely on because when you're an immigrant, you don't know what's going on in the country. You're vulnerable. You don't mm. have a lot of connections, and so it's very attractive. Uh, things like welfare are very very attractive because mm. life is difficult. It always is. So, um. They sort of hold out, you know. It it it's um. They they hold out bread like the Roman emperors holding out, holding out the grain doll, and it, it they they create this dependent class that relies on the increased um. Magabification of the economy um to to maintain their their votes and they open the borders and then of course anyone who disagrees with this gets labeled a racist because it's the easiest way to go it's a taboo in society to be racist of course r- you know racism being a taboo is largely because of universal religions i mean universal religion like you know you know islam or christianity racism is wrong i mean look th- there are there are little aesthetic qualities in uh, in Islam which favor um, pale skin and red hair, which probably explains why so many of the convert the white converts to Islam are gingers. For example, actually, there's a very very good scholar uh, called uh, Abdul Abdul Hakim Murad. I think his name was something b- rather boring, like Stephen Winter before he converted. Um, but his his approach to this is sort of to say, well, you know. Uh, British uh, the, the British Christianity is dying, and what's replacing it is a rather vile and degenerate form of paganism. And he would much rather see his country taken over by Islam, and he's converted to Islam in the belief that it's the truth. And he is very devout. I mean, this is a guy who mm. 
this is a guy who who, who goes as far as as finding um, now a lot of people are very scared of uh, of this philosopher called Julius Evola, who's uh, he was an extremely right wing um, uh, 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 Italian. Italian nobleman who got into he first got into mathematics and then he got into philosophy and religion and he has this weird idea about it, it sort of quasi Hindu belief about the nature of reality and there are aristocratic souls inherent and the, the way that you doesn't matter um, but uh, uh, Murad uh, Sheikh Murad he he he, he found um, He's found he's found um, use for 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 this man's approach to dealing with the modern world in relation to Islam, mm. and so you 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 have him lecturing from Cambridge um, to groups of absolutely rapt uh, audiences of Muslim immigrants uh, to to Britain, listening to well, how does a man preserve his piety amidst the decay of modernity and um, preserve his traditions? Um, I think that I think that a lot of Europeans and you, you bump into them occasionally around here in the Netherlands, it, you know, white converts to to Islam, and I think that they can recognize they, there's a way of them to by by embracing an alien culture they can they can shed their guilt. Um, but on the other hand, there's also a recognition that society is extremely degenerate. Western society is decaying and encouraging things that are manifestly unhealthy. Mm. Um, at, at a scale which even the most ardent um, anti-Christian atheist uh, and liberal are now all starting to recognize is poisonous and perverse. Yeah. And so people are starting to look for solutions and people like myself are realizing that the, the origin of this decay was in was in the anti-Christianity which emerged out of um, the Enlightenment. I mean, you have to remember how, how virulently opposed the, these these people were to church life and to um, and to Christian dogma. I mean, Voltaire famously said that um, we must uh, we must uh, he would sign off letters to to friends with like we must we must destroy the wretch as in the, the Christ is the wretch mm. referred to, it. and uh, he once said something like, um, "Christianity is our foe, and in uh, um, and in our attempt to defeat our foe, we must lie, not what has it, not subtly and uh, and occasionally, but aggressively and always." And so, it, you know, far from being a champion of truth and objectivity and reason and whatever that that he's he's hailed as. He was merely an extremely vociferous advocate for the destruction of Christianity, and would reach for absolutely any implement to hand to aid uh, the downfall of the religion. And this this attitude characterized the French Revolution, who set up their own religion, yeah, um, in in imitation of the rituals and symbolism that they inherited from the secret Illuminist clubs that they belonged to. Um, and so they they placed a, an actress playing the goddess of reason on the on the pulpit of uh, of Notre Dame Cathedral and had these big pompous ceremonies and it took everything to year zero and metricized the calendar and the and the, the hours of the day and 
this nutcase stuff happens over and over again and the 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 french revolution really in my mind lives on in the um, in the united nations it lives on it's everywhere a, it's a it's a stain on on modern human history yeah do you remember that do you remember that famous quote by um oh goodness me i'm his name is escaping me he was one of the uh one of the four big fellows in china and they were visiting um visiting france in the in like the late 60s early 70s and they asked him they asked they asked this fellow what um um they asked him what what were the consequences of the french revolution and he says it's too soon to tell <laughs> <laughs> profound i mean look the re the re look in in the real in reality he he actually thought they meant the student revolt of 68 um and that's what he was responding to but uh, I think I think his other statement is true, or at least it mm -hmm. was until now. I think so. I think if you zoom out a little bit, Rob, um, a large yeah. a large degree of uh, the decline of Christianity in the West um, has to also do with Marxism, because um, Christianity is seen as this <clears throat> as uh, this uh, uh, politically incorrect belief system. No, that, uh, it's. That, that's not the that's not the way to think about it. Um, the way you have to think about it, if you want to see how a Marxist actually thinks about this, is they'll say that um, it's a useful lie mm. that is told to people to prevent to protect the institutions of, uh, the, the instruments of power. Right. So to say that it's not politically correct is to go too far down the line. Right. Um, so but notice th how those same, are, notice how those same people will defend. Uh, Islam. So, when last when last did you hear of a of a of a? Well, it's, of a, a, it's, a it's very simple. It's a friend enemy distinction. Yes, Christianity and Western society is the enemy, and anyone who is opposed to it is a friend. That is that is how the left works. Mm. And don't think for a second that they're not going to turn on Islam just because they're 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 happy to use them for the time being. Right. If you look at the, the infiltration and transformation of the Islamic Church in places like Sweden, you've got Islamic Church. What's wrong with me? Um, <laughs> the Ummah. Um, the you've got you've got female imams setting up churches which promote feminism before the before the Quran. Can you imagine something as no, absolutely bizarre and perverse as that? You know, like pro LGBT trans rights. Yeah, but like nominally Muslim, so we wear the headscarf. Mm. Doesn't sound like it doesn't but sound like still... an honest version to me. We still have a problem where suicide bombers shot Alua Akbar before blowing themselves up. You don't, you don't ever hear suicide well, bombers going "Oi vey." Uh, well, that's because Jewish terrorists uh, like Irgun and all of those guys um, from back uh, from back in the day weren't suicide bombers; uh, they just were normal bombers. Um, I have and look. I have no idea. Christian yeah, well, suicide look, bombers. Well, like, I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to think of any real Christian terrorists that have mm. committed any major atrocities recently. Um, I mean, certainly there's a bit of it in the United States with uh, the uh, the abortion clinics. Um, it's negligible, though. Yeah, it's not statistically significant. I mean, look, it's there. I mean, we, we, we're not going to mm. pretend that it doesn't. But look, while we're talking about all of this nonsense with, like, 
Christianity declining in the West, it's growing like wildfire in Africa. It's growing at an enormous rate in India and China. I mean, China's got hundreds of thousands of Christians. I think the largest church no, in the world is in China. Yeah, I mean, look, the problem is that they, they can be extremely exotic. Mm. I mean, I uh, some of the people over here who've been coming to, that I've met in connection with uh, the anti-China movement, mm. the, the anti-communist uh, movement here, um, there's this rather big, con the, the biggest contingent of Chinese Christians in the Netherlands is actually, they're not really Christians. They follow this weird cult that came out of the late 80s where this woman claimed to be the reincarnation of Jesus Christ. And so they worship her as the second coming. And so there's there's a lot of this weird shit. Uh, China China's very bizarre. I don't think people, like, if you when you even speak to experts about China, there's very much the sense that China is a very opaque country with a lot of weird things going on in it. It's It's a whole planet unto itself. You know, and I think really comprehending what's going on in China is very difficult. But there are a lot of Christians there, and the it's it's almost certainly going to take a different tack because the the Communist Party has edited the Bible. And here's the thing: the Catholic Church has been the Pope has been complicit in it. He's allowed them to do this. He's given them his consent. Sure. To save to save Catholic Chinese Chinese Catholics from persecution, he gave them his consent. And my my position is, but then, what exactly are you defending? There's a reason that martyrdom is upheld in the in the Christian Church is valuable. You know, there's it's it's because there are things that are more important than your than your life, and that is the truth, and that is what you're willing to stand up for. And look, whether or not you're a Christian. The idea that um, the idea that there's nothing worth dying for is an extremely bizarre thing to believe. There's always there, there's always going to be something that you're worth dying for, even if it's just the survival of your own children. Mm. And so I think that there's something um, there's something strange in there's something strange in the notion that someone who who by by their duties and the description of their position in society is supposed to be the defender of the faith who goes well the faith doesn't matter so much as long as as long as we, the, the life's not made difficult for my congregation mm. then what well then, well then well then he might as well just become um a, a secular diplomat you know what's he doing in the church and I think a lot of this applies across the Western world. You've got a lot of people, a lot of church leaders who are not devout, who don't really mm. think that taking the Bible seriously and taking God and Christ, Christ's message seriously, <clears throat> they don't prioritize that over what they believe on a daily basis. And if you look at um, what's happened to the Southern Baptist Convention and their infiltration by critical theorists, and, and mm. um, it's, it's, it's completely nuts. So, destroying I mean it from the inside. Rob, I mean, we've got like a couple of minutes left. If we were to, if we were to present an argument for uh, the case for Christianity in the West, uh, what what would that look like? Do you think? 
I think we have to. I think we have to accept that it is in decline very severely. It's lost its. Um, it's lost its uh, control. Its influence. I think the biggest sign of this is no church stood up to the ban on church congregations. Not one. A couple in America who are brave enough to to say so, but across the Western world, they banned church congregations. They banned going to funerals, but they allowed Black Lives Matter to protest in the streets and have parties and, you know, recreational homicide and all the usual evil shit that they get up to. And um, I think I think that if you want, uh, I, I I'm I think that it, it's it's a really really dire sign. And look, I'm I'm guilty of this too. It's not like I decided. To hell with the Dutch government! I'm going to church. You know, I I stayed at home. So the the question over here is 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 more well. Yeah, I I don't think the question should be if you're if you're if you're a member of the faithful. The question shouldn't be well. Is there hope for Christianity to spread? The question is, do you have the strength to hold on when everyone around you is turning away from it? Because look. It's not like Christianity is dying out globally. This is a regional. Uh, this is a regional phenomenon. It's shifting. Where part of the world is falling into sin and degeneracy. Yeah, and it's destroying the fabric of society and threatening the the um, substance of institutions that sustain the the basic stability of normal human life. Um. And if you're a Christian, the thing is to just. Keep the faith and keep pushing on, and don't allow the winds of change to buffet you and bend you. Um, and perhaps and to try your best, yeah, to, to, to try your best to find strength within you to to stay true to your principles. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I think being principled is more important now than ever, particularly. I mean, in the year twenty twenty. Yeah, it absolutely is. And look, it's not all hopeless. If you're if you're serious about your faith, I think that there are churches that are as serious and are pious about it. Um, um, while while I while I prefer the the Eastern Orthodox, and I believe that they've got things more sorted out than than any other. Um, like I can certainly see I can certainly see the the benefit of um, I can certainly see the benefit of attending a, a traditional a conservative Catholic clergy. I can see the benefit mm -hmm. in attending um, an Inchikar community provided they're willing to jettison that hermetic hypothesis nonsense. Um, Sorry, I got it wrong. But, I said Nassim Taleb, is, uh, he promotes Eastern Orthodoxy. He doesn't. He, he's, he a does. Greek, he's a Greek Orthodox. Yeah, that's Eastern Orthodoxy. Difference okay. in Eastern Orthodox and Oriental Orthodox. Oh, right. So Greek, the Greek the Greek Church is is part of the Eastern Orthodox uh, okay. congregation. So it's um, yeah, but it, it it's it, it's one of these things where there are there are little places that you can go, and I think much like um, if you, if you're a Muslim trapped in a society which is having the same problem, having their own particular unique problem with modernity, which is that you get this hollow fanaticism, which does not encourage 
any kind of spiritual development, but just says, well, let's kill infidels and, you know, mm. tuck fear and etc. You've got your own challenges. And I think that both Islam and Christianity have um, challenges to face in the nature of modernity and how it is damaging and diluting and poisoning the doctrines that all the various faiths adhere to. And it's not like, and, and before I, I sign out, before anyone sort of accuses me of being some kind of naive, you know, idiot, um, I know that, you know, f fanaticism and evil are perfectly well within the the realm of possibility amongst traditional societies. I'm not, I'm not, you know, mm. I'm not ignorant of that. Um, I... But you know the demons, the the, the the demons inside the human soul are always going to be there. Um, mm. I think the thing is that fighting them requires a recognition of what's gone wrong in society and to latch on to those things which give us the power to address them. And I think that the church is possibly the strongest element because every other institution has been viciously corrupted. And just looking at South Africa as a parting comment. Can you name any institution in South Africa which is not dominated by a by a unanimous assent to the National Democratic Revolution? No. No. There's no way you can go. All the major newspapers, Mail and Guardian, mm. uh, Daily Maverick, Sowetan, Sowetan's fairly decent as far as they go, as far, but... Like all of these newspapers, if you say anything that that argues against the this material normative code that defends the National Democratic Revolution, the increasing march towards um, a racial supremacist communist society, then you are then they they will lambaste you and attack you with every fiber of their being, even if you're a harmless mm -hmm. little YouTuber singing silly songs like the Kifners. And so we're living in a society that is dominated by, you know, for, for, for lack of a better metaphor, Rome. And the, the resistance that, that, that Christ offered against a society that's dominated by um, a corrupting um, foreign influence, um, and so he said, well, just do the right thing. Mm. Just do the right thing. And that's plenty disrupting enough. Rob, as always, thank you. Uh, should I say today, God bless you? <laughs> Why not? And God bless everyone who was watching and listening. Uh, please subscribe to Rob's channel. Link below the video. Uh, Rob, we'll see. We'll see each other again soon. We will. We will absolutely. Thank All you. right, everybody. Thank you for having me on. My name is Germ. This was Germ Warfare: The Battle of Ideas.